0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 746. Quoth, I have traveled much and seen much. Many of the Adem here are worldly. We know of musicians. And to be completely forthright, many of us have a secret guilty fascination with them, much the same way your folk are enamored with the skill of the Modegan courtesans. She gave me a hard look. But for all that, I would not want my daughter to bring one home, if you catch my meaning. Neither would it improve anyone's opinion of Tempi if others knew he had shared the Catan with such as you. Keep it to yourself. You have enough to overcome without all Ademra knowing you are a musician on top of everything. That's the page and the chapter. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. This really does put a button on the connection between musicians and sex work. Uh, In that she's like, oh, you know, of course, like, you know, there's two different things, right? First of all, she's like, yes, it's taboo, it's forbidden. But also, we do find them fascinating and kind of alluring, much in the same way that in the real world, there's lots of stuff that is taboo, that is also like compelling and exciting and fascinating. Like, you know, if you've ever found out that like someone you know, does sex work, you're probably quite curious about like, what's it like? What do you do? Like, what's going on? And similarly, like that's the way it is with so many things that are like forbidden or not allowed. Like that just makes them exciting to people,
1: mm, and that's, I guess, what she's talking about here with the the <laughs> guilty fascination. I, she doesn't say it, but this is to me this is like a kink. Yeah, exactly. Like a pretty common kink among Adam is that they're like, oh man, music. I gotta, I got secretly, shamefully, yeah, it's just, this music. She sings out loud, so naughty, um,
0: and like that is. She probably doesn't know that Tempe feels this way, but if they did, like, that would explain, like, that would explain why she has such a low opinion of him, right? If she knew that he was a pervert who liked music. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't help. Yeah. And then if the other kind of connection is, you know, I wouldn't want my daughter bringing one home is something that libs, libs who think that they're more worldly than they really are and more, more tolerant than they really are, have been saying for, like, centuries, right? I don't have a problem with, insert, marginalized group here, but I wouldn't want my daughter marrying one.
1: hmm
2: Yes, it is frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's, like, this is a frustrating part of the book, partially because, like, I see our reality in it. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, this is a thing that I can't fix. <laughs> I can just, like, do my bit, kind of thing. And it's like, I don't like that there's a thing that cannot be fixed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that is part of the aim of this passage, because we're being shown just like how irrational and silly prejudices can seem if you're not part of the culture that has them as a taboo. But the group that Vashet is using to compare them to to make her point is a group that there's still certainly when this book was published in 2012, there was a prejudice, and there still is one in 2022, although I think that that is changing in some circles, there's a prejudice against people who do sex work, and there always has been. This might cause the reader to, if they're empathizing with how Quoth feels about the way musicians are treated, then they might be able to play the Uno reverse card on themselves and go, well, wait a minute, then why do I feel this way about sex workers?
2: Well, wait, there's something that like we get from Vashet that we don't get from Quoth, which is um, like we get that Vashet, Like explicitly would not want like a musician brought home by her daughter, but Mm -hmm. we don't know how Quoth feels about sex work.
0: Well, we do. We kind of do. Like you're right that he doesn't ever make it explicit that he'd be like, I'd be fine with dating a sex worker. But in his, he understands immediately when she says, Imagine if like you are a whore, and he goes, A whore and a cheap and shameless whore, right?
2: Does Bashette say that uh, it's a cheap and shameless whore? No, Quoth does. does.
0: Foth adds that. So he's like, he understands in thinking, like in thinking about how they think about musicians, we kind of understand his attitude towards sex work. And we've seen it on other pages too, because he says like, you know, my dad told me to, you know, always call a spade a spade, but always call a whore a lady. So I think that he has a more tolerant attitude towards sex workers than some people does. But I think he still views it as ultimately like something that you wouldn't want to do. Right. If given all your options,
1: he definitely has a complicated relationship to it. He never explicitly like confronts the idea that Denna is a sex worker. But I think that his scorn, shall we say, for sex work, I think he does kind of look down on it. I think the way that he talks about it in this patch passage in previous, as you say, Jeremy, is like a little bit of a of a looking down his nose at it. it is like sort of like an unfortunate necessity rather than something that can it should be respected and done safely. And as you, like you said, like he can't imagine that someone would want to be doing it. It's something like mm-hmm. that, what someone thinks is that it does it in desperation. So, like, even in here, when he goes, Oh, not just a whore, but a cheap and shameless whore, like there's still this idea that Quoth holds that, like, there's more respectable ways of going about it. It's interesting mm-hmm. that we can kind of pick at this now and start to explore, like, Quoth is not. Now, like you said, Jeremy, I'm really just echoing you in this episode here today. But Quoth is not quite as open-minded as he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. And he never really like confronts... I guess he he knows, I suppose, that there's no point in trying to change Vashant's mind anymore. Because he does try to defend musicians. But he's trying to defend musicians because he is one. He's not really making the connection between that and sex work. I think yeah. that is done on this page when she talks about Modigan courtesans. And I think that's meant to drive it home to the more thick readers who haven't put it together yet. That this mm-hmm. is a comparison, I suppose, to sex workers. But like, it sort of dropped after this. And a courtesan is different than a whore, right? There's different connotations mm-hmm. there.
2: But the work, like, the is the work not the same though? Like, uh, like the it's industry the difference between is certainly an, the same.
0: it. it I'm going to use some pejorative language here. It's the difference between an escort and a hooker, right? They're doing the same job. You know, mechanically speaking, they are taking money in exchange for sex, but the connotations and the service you get are different. And I think that Vashet is advisedly saying like, you know, she didn't say you people might have a fascination with like the town whore. He's saying you have a fascination with like the exotic, cultured, kind of high class sex workers in your society, which is... But what that's kind of like it?
2: saying like I like some people drink bud light and other people want craft beer. Like it's all beer.
0: Right. But like if but it's not all beer because like bud light sucks and is bad. And there's like <laughs> There's a I no. Mean, I, some a people social... drink
2: it for reasons. Right, I don't agree because... with them, but that's not my problem.
1: <laughs> Hang on, it's it's the difference between your It's between like the the classy musicians who do it properly by keeping it behind a screen, and the the raunchy musicians who go and play in an open uh, open tavern full of everybody. Like, there's a right way to do it, even though it's distasteful. There, yeah, there's a more dignified way way to do it. In the same way that Quoth has a Quoth has a
0: prejudice about other musicians, right? He is the good kind. He's Edima Ruh. He got his pipes at the Aeolian. He like wants to find a patron. Not like those guys he met on the road a few chapters ago who were had scraping together money to buy a new bear to do bear
1: baiting, right? He looked down his nose at them. You were about to finish your thought about Denna being like the good kind of sex worker to quote. Yeah, but Quoth wouldn't see it
0: that way, right? Quoth would still be like, I have to rest. Here's the thing. Well-meaning liberals, I think the way they think about sex work is this is a thing that people need to be rescued from. We should not we should not be mean to them about the fact that they do it because they are in circumstances where that's all they can find to do, but we are going to rescue them from this horrible circumstance, whereas a more enlightened attitude about sex work- uh the, maybe
2: they like their jobs. Is,
0: yeah. <laughs> these people are doing a job, a job that has existed for thousands of years, and they should be- treated no differently than anyone else who sells their
1: body to do work, which is everybody. And, and, and sorry, before you finish your thought, just to, to get a little bit uh, maybe darker about it, it's not just a job that like perhaps they enjoy doing. It's a job that if everyone who did it disappeared, there would still be a demand for it and then it would get dark because there would be like black market and, and trafficking and things like that. And it's the same with the musicians, I think. What fashion is talking about here is that there's a demand for it, even though it's shameful to... The adum, like the you, we we can't just be thinking about sex work as something that we need to rescue people people from because there will always be a demand for it. There has always been a demand for it. People do have a fascination for it, and so we need to make it much like music, uh, safe and accessible, and perhaps a dignified less taboo. work. Yeah, exactly, dignified work.
0: Yeah, um, and how this ties back into the book, I think, is that Kvothe has that attitude about sex workers right he is he is of that kind of like quote unquote enlightened liberal mindset of we shouldn't be mean to people that do it but we should rescue them from it if we can Uh, and i think that if he said that to denna she would tell him to go screw himself because she as far as she's concerned she is making her way in the world in the way that seems best to her we, and we know this because she has the conversation with that other girl who's like trying it on. She's like, look, if you want to do this work, it's not for everybody, but you can be more independent than, you know, being like a maid in some rich guy's house. You could do that too, and it would be safer in some ways, and it would be like, you know, maybe an easier way to make a living. But if you want to be more independent in your life, if you want to have more choice, it's going to be harder, and people are going to treat you badly in some circumstances, but you will be in control, and here's how you can do it. And I think that tells us a lot about how she sees the work that she's doing. I think the implication is that she started out as a survival sex worker and she built herself into a high class courtesan or, or like, you know, I don't know how she defined her work. It's something like a courtesan or like a sugar baby, right? She's not, we don't necessarily see her take money for her work, but She is paid in other things. You know, she gets taken out on nice dates. She gets nice clothes.
1: uh, You know, she gets to travel. We know for a fact that she gets jewelry that she is not shy about pawning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that is just
0: another kind of sex work. And I think Kvothe, you know, in his heart of hearts, he wants to rescue her from that life. And I think that part of the conflict between them that I think we'll have to see resolved by book three is I don't think Denna wants to
1: be rescued from her life. Yeah, there's something that Denna wants more than, like, I, I don't know that she necessarily enjoys the way she lives, but it's the way she wants to be living, and there's something that she wants enough to make her want to live that way. hmm Yeah, I'd be curious to kind of pick out what is attitude is, because I do think that certainly in, in book one and in book two, like, the attitude that the author seems to take is that Denna like, is, like, unhappy and and is doing something, is doing this because she's desperate and, like, kind of does need to be rescued from it. Yeah, but that's true Um, about me and my job where I put numbers into a spreadsheet, so... You know what, Jeremy? That's entirely true. That's a really, really good... (laughs) Really, really good uh, metaphor. I think about this a lot. I think about how there's a lot of violence inherent in the way that we... As a society, approach work, and that homelessness is allowed to exist because we need examples. That's the cudgel uh, with can, which
0: we are beaten by
1: the capitalist e- class. Exactly. The new job exactly. End up like that guy. If, yeah. If you cannot make yourself exploitable, if you cannot generate value for somebody else, you will be rendered an unperson and uh, removed from any support network, uh, mm-hmm. as uh, eviscerated as they may be. As a wise man once said, "Come and see the violence inherent in the system. Help, help! I'm being repressed." Jordan, anything you want to add yes, on this I have my uh, surprisingly final lengthy page?
2: Um, yeah, I would say for such a short page, we had so much to say. Uh, it is a short page because it was the end of the chapter. This chapter was called Barbarian Tongue, which uh, I assume is all about. Wait a minute.
0: It's yes, Va- Vashet was... says to him. Yeah. Right. Let me see how you how you uh you treat my beautiful language with your rough barbarian tongue.
2: Yep. That's uh that, that's it that's that's the whole works
1: our letter today is from a uh a writer who goes by my cat is named simon that's adorable <laughs> i thought you said horrible for a second no there. that's
2: adorable <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, who writes on page 496 hello pagers long time first time thanks so much for the podcast i'm behind as you can probably tell from the lateness of this email but really enjoy it for dog walks and short commutes hi toby Toby perked up. On page 496, you spend a lot of time discussing whether Denna's not retying signifies that she's casting a spell on Quoth, which might have helped trigger his shift from calmly trying to explain why he has issues with her song, to basically unhinged screaming. You discussed why having magic spells getting characters to share their true feelings seems sort of cheap or lazy writing. I'm not sure whether this will make you feel any better, but try this crackpot theory out for size. It's sort of a variant on Jordana's theory. Across the story, Quoth is often too willing to share his opinions and or rush into assumptions on or situations without understanding them fully. What if instead of Dena casting a spell in the middle of the fight, she's just undoing a spell she had cast to try to affect his reaction to her song in the first place? It could be something as innocent as be kind or be favorably inclined towards me. So it's not the casting of a new not spell that triggers Quoth's yelling, it's the removal of a spell that was dampening his normal negative emotions or reactions. This seems to me to be true to character and doesn't minimize Roth's character work in the rest of the book. Anyway, thanks for the pod and glad to hear you've returned from the break. My cat is named Simon. I like that a lot. That's a really solid theory in my opinion. I think that's an idea we might even have discussed around that time that uh,
0: she already had some some uh, magic working on him that she was undoing. She's like, all right, tell
1: me how you really feel. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Thank- well, because like I think that in that sequence, certainly Denna's like, fear is that Quoth like that, in his secret heart, he's the same as all the other guys that she's seen, and so maybe, maybe she had worked some kind of Yilish not juju to stop him from revealing his secret heart. And then, um, when he when it comes out, also is does he taste plum in that moment? Is there like a plum bob return? I, I think I don't love the plum bob because it's a convenient way to have both, like have a attack of. Uh, brutal honesty whenever it's convenient, but I don't recall that happening at that point. I, I would really love—we talked about this before—and there's there's a bit of chat about it on the Discord. But I would absolutely love a Ender Shadow version of the story from denna's perspective. Like, I would gobble that up. I, th- I think that would be such an interesting take, and, and just to like to fill in all the gaps here, I would love to understand like what's going through denna's head in these sequences and what is she doing, what is. She actually reeking. Uh, that's a, a very negative word. Like, what? Denna obviously which... is a character with agency, but like, I'd love to see her more openly enact that agency. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like part of
1: her part of her deal in the story is that she's like this mysterious
0: figure, and Quoth is never quite sure what she's up to, which means that we're never quite sure what she's up to. Uh, so you're right that that is a kind of rich ground for exploring assuming that it doesn't all get explained in a satisfactory fashion by the end of the third book which i think that it
1: might be it might be but i would still like to see it like i would still enjoy the ride of going through it from her side of things i mean ender's game is was well explained by the end of it but ender's shadow is supposed to be good i'm not reading any more uh of of that guy but uh i hear good things not that i recommend going out and reading those books well just don't read the wikipedia (laughs) yeah don't pay for them yeah pirate those books and uh, you should not pirate our podcast on tomorrow's page. Uh. Well, our podcast is available for free. But yes. if you wanted to unpirate it, if you wanted to give a little bit back, seeing as you're a wretched freeloader who is taking things that are, well, I mean, it is for free. So You wouldn't you're not steal so a podcast, would you? <laughs> you wouldn't pot an old man from his walking stick. Uh, you can pay for this podcast by going to pageofthewind.com and clicking on the button that says Patreon or ko-fi and uh, donating uh, as much or as little as you want. ko-fi you can give us a one-time tip and at Patreon you can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month to get access to all kinds of extra goodies, including a monthly episode where we talk about kind of whatever we feel like. There's also the Discord where you can connect with other like-minded pagers. Uh, link is at pageofthewind.com. And uh, it's great and it's cool. And I think the thing that I am perhaps the most proud of having run this podcast for over five years now is that there's a little community that sprung up around it. I am touched every time I get a little ping uh, to see a conversation happening in the Discord. It's, it's uh, in many ways the most, <laughs> the most valuable thing I've contributed to the world, I think, is <laughs> that there's a little community around this thing that we do.
0: Well, can't say fairer than that. You can decide how valuable we are on tomorrow's page. of uh, the win. Win.